Welcome to Cap City Outfitters Podcast, episode 19. Uh, you got Chris and Brian. We recently had an opportunity to, opportunity to do some more um, injured shooter type training, um, both with rifles and with handguns. Um, we spent a couple hours up at the range with tennis balls, duct tape to hands. Um, sometimes on that injured hand, we had one finger or no fingers or two fingers. Uh, available kind of to use um, so trying to to build that mentality of you know fight with what you've got um, we've previously you know both in classes and from a training mentality you know it's off it's often the my my offhand or my strong hand or whatnot is injured so I'm gonna put it in my pocket and I'm gonna take that limb out of the fight you know in reality unless you've got some kind of skeletal or you know muscular injury up higher on the limb um, that limb is still in the fight, so trying to put it in the fight. Um, and, you know, the tennis balls and duct tape kind of do that pretty well. Yeah, uh, the, the big concern with, with adding, using the injured limb is taking away the training scar of, um, oh, this hand's injured, now I can't use it at all. This arm's injured. So if you train to do that, that's likely how you're going to react if you train far enough into it. Um, the point of this, I think, is to use what you have for sure win win the fight use what you have to win the fight no matter what and if that's a nub or a fingers a couple fingers or something like that then stay in the fight and use everything you have to win the fight and i think the intent of that was a little bit of trying to break some of those scars of oh well this is one hand manipulation so we put the other hand in our pocket agreed yeah, yeah. and and we will um fully admit we stole these ideas um from one of our local le friends who got it from Chase Jenkins and Talon Defense. Um, it works really well. Um, thank you, Brian, for bringing that back and to Chase for kind of developing this system um, of injured training, injured shooter training. Uh, and then, you know, during this uh, training event, because it's us, we added lots of malfunctions yeah. um, to, the, to the drills and to the scenarios that we were running. Yeah, thank you, Jared, for that. Jared, uh, Jared, preventer of, in, in starter of the worst malfunctions ever. God love him. Yeah, both you know, buddy loaded mags, so you didn't know how many rounds were in the magazine. Um, adding dummy rounds into the magazine, and then basically taking big sticks of wood, putting them next to the ejection port, and causing you know malfunctions inside the AR-15 or you know on the pistol, uh, which then you know forced you to solve the malfunction um, with you know one hand or with one and a half hands yeah um, sometimes that was your your offside hand was your strong hand at that point um, which made for a rather entertaining uh, training event yeah absolutely um, so the progression of the uh, evening we did a little bit of demo work Brian demoed some of the different things um, you know and and then we went out and basically pushed through uh, weekend um, remediation and strong hand remediation um, fully admitting we kind of threw everybody in the deep end um, from a standpoint of setting up their their weekend um, with with injury or simulated injury and said okay cool and like Brian said you know when you when you're loading up dummy mags or, or mags with dummy rounds and stuff like that you're getting some of the immediate action response some of that I, I got a click now what do I do um, you know that push pull rack roll um, with less than two hands um, and then some of the malfunctions again um, one of our one of our partners here, Jared, is a master at creating just the nastiest flipping failures to extract, failures to eject, and, and double feed issues. 
Um, so you were figuring out how to, you know, strip the mag out of the gun, get the bolt lock back, uh, clear whatever's in the, you know, the, the feed area of the weapon and the feed and ejection area of the weapon, as well as possibly the mag well, and then, you know, rack, 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 and load the gun and get it back in the fight. Um, two, you know, two very different things. So part of it was also assessing at, at what point are you doing those different things and, and how can you diagnose that through input that the gun is giving you. Um, the gun's mechanical system, it does certain things pretty consistently, so it's just a matter of tracking that. Um, I'm going to let Brian talk a little more about when you do what and why, because that became um, a part of the evening and helping people figure out. Because we always teach people, first things first, do an immediate action on the gun. If that doesn't clear the gun, then step to remedial action. Um, so immediate action being on the rifle, push, pull, rack, roll. If that doesn't work, then strip the mag, lock it open, clear it out, um, and, and you know confirm and reload. Um, you can shortcut that a little bit in certain situations, like when it's daylight and you can see what's going on. Um, so I'll let Brian talk about, you know, some of the, those indicators. Yeah, a lot of it, you know, watching other shooters, you know, on the line, uh, it became pretty apparent who had internalized the operating system of their weapon and who hadn't. Um, because, you know, knowing what malfunction was going to happen or being able to watch, you know, what malfunction that had happened uh, in the event of using the stick, because the stick doesn't always create a malfunction. Um, and then seeing, you know, what what solution got applied to the problem. Um, you know, knowing, it, it's important to know all the solutions that you can provide to fix your malfunction problem. Um, it's very important to know which solution to apply when. Yeah, especially if you're in a hurry. Um, you know, jumping right into, you know, remedial action where we're clearing, we're dropping the mag or running the bolt and then we're putting a new magazine in the gun um, when we had a, essentially a click and no bang instead of just doing a push-pull rack roll. Um, you know, we're going from what should be a, a two-second solution to probably a 10-second solution. Yeah. Um, you know, if, you're, if your teammate is trying to move or is pinned down and you need to provide cover fire, um, provide, providing the right solution um, may have just saved your teammate's life. Yeah, and, and it's just one of those things that the only way you're gonna get to do this is to learn the theory, um, learn the proper techniques, and then learn when to apply them, and learning when to apply them is something that you're gonna have to do on the range. It's got almost gotta be a buddy type day where someone's setting you up to solve problems um, and then coaching you through it. Uh, we were very fortunate. We broke up into two different squads to run these. Uh, Brian ran one of the squads, I ran the other. Um, again, uh, Jared was with my squad and, and Jared does a phenomenal job of articulating process. And we had a couple guys who were, this was a new concept to them. Um, and, and he did a phenomenal job of getting them squared away with that exact thing. How do you recognize, okay, you got a click, what do you do? Okay, you've got a dead trigger. What do you do? They're two different things. Can you assess it visually and and cut right to the chase? Or do you just need to work through it longhand if it's in the dark? It's kind of thing. So it was, a, it was an awesome training night. Um, it, it really it was really good reps. Uh, bearing in mind, this was all done. No, no timers involved. No nothing involved. Work your way through the process properly. Um, one of the things missing from this training 
was the fact that we did this on on the square range uh, we did it without any barricades or anything like that around or working around vehicles and and one of the hardest things was you know controlling the weapon you're, you're down to a hand and a half and literally controlling the weapon so you could do things like run a charging handle um, so you could do things like get your hand in the magwell and maybe if you're left-handed and you're used to maintaining master hand grip on the gun getting your right hand up into the magwell um, when it's all taped up with a you know <laughs> mm -hmm. it was it was interesting to work our way through some of those things versus when we'd done it previously we were around a vehicle or around barricades then you could plant the muzzle of the gun into say um, a, a wheel on the vehicle or a crease in the in the metal on a vehicle or something like that um, so it's a little more difficult to work our way through that but teach people to control the gun how to get to the controls which which with whichever hand is can actuate those controls properly um, one of the things guys i'll throw out there that i i struggled with a little bit was the mentality of if i've got a malfunction getting the safety on if you can um, I, I don't know why i struggled with that uh, maybe because my mentality has always been you know if you get a click instead of a bang you're transitioning or something like that in this case we were trying to make the gun work and and i just did not that was something that jared really had to push me and remind me and remind me and i finally started catching on um, but that's part of that process is, you know, first things first, if you can get the safety on, get the safety on and then make the gun work again. So, yeah, yeah. safety discipline definitely matters on a long gun. Yep. Uh, especially because once that malfunction is clicked or I'm sorry, not clicked. Once that malfunction is fixed, you know, in the real world, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be shooting the gun again. Yeah. We may be moving. Um, we may be, you know, providing cover for somebody else. We may be, you know, fixing that medical injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having that safety on right away, just it ensures the safety is on, and now you can you know more freely and safely you know move around with that weapon and assess what needs to actually happen next. Because where you were in the gunfight when your gun went sideways may not be where you're at in the gunfight when you get it back up. So yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, I'd say if you're looking you know to learn how to fix malfunctions on firearms, um, knowing. First things first is knowing how your weapon actually operates from what I like to call like the crayon eater level yep. or, you know, the elementary school level. Um, you don't need to know, you know, the force that a spring applies and <laughs> you don't have to do any calculus and there's no, I don't want to say there isn't physics involved, but we're not, we're not solving math and engineering problems. You know, we need to know like, okay, bullet goes out, gas goes through a tube, it pushes a spring and unlocks the bolt um you know a round's supposed to go out a magazine's supposed to push up a new round and then that round is supposed to go in the chamber and the hammer or striker's supposed to be you know reset in that process so when we pull the trigger that cycle happens again uh, knowing you know being able to kind of internalize like oh you know the hammer fell but nothing happened tells me something different from my trigger is mushy and nothing's happening true um, so that we can we can apply the proper solution um, the other thing that you know to keep in mind is when you're solving these problems um, take your time when you're starting out and do them correct um, do them to kind of establish doctrine and don't try to shortcut that process because when it's dark and rainy and you can't see what you're doing and you can't necessarily feel everything that's going on because your fingers are cold or you're wearing gloves. Uh, going through the process 
you know, kind of essentially two doctrine will actually solve the problem versus trying to take shortcuts and inadvertently creating more malfunctions uh, while you're trying to solve the first one. Yeah, once you have once you have the fundamentals down of how to clear through immediate action if that's what's necessary or clear and get a gun back in the fight through remedial action if that's what's necessary um, once you have that those techniques down pat and you know exactly what you're doing and you do them at an almost subconscious level when the gun does funny stuff then you can start doing some of the cool guy let's roll the gun over and look inside of it and see what's going on um, but you'll also have the understanding that if it's dark out and you don't have that luxury you'll know what to do and press through it um, even if it's you know even if it's conscious competence rather than unconscious competence you'll know what to do but train yourself to do the right things and then you have will have the luxury to go back and assess beyond that that is definitely a higher level of skill and analysis at that point yeah so yeah yeah this is you know also you know definitely something you is best done at the range with a buddy um, both to have you know your buddy set up problems or get problems started Yep. Um, so that you don't necessarily know what's coming um, once you have the basics on how to solve malfunctions. Um, and then also to watch and make sure you're doing things, you know, to doctrine and doing and solving problems correctly. And safely. And you know, safely the whole too. time. You know, we watch guys, you know, moving the gun in a, in a much more, um, you know, a lot of this we do tend to do when we have two hands, we do with the gun pointed down range, you know, or with that master grip with the gun kind of in a high port position. In a lot of these cases, you were muzzle depressed trying to pin the gun to your body so you could do different things with the gun. And at, you know, at some point, watch that muzzle because you start pinning the gun to your body. Um, don't muzzle your feet. They're still attached to you. The four rules still apply. Um, you know, so that's another reason to have that buddy there to go, hey, stop, 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 stop. You know, um, look, look where the gun's at. We need to put it in a different direction. How do we do that? So, Yeah, as far as you know, resources on where to learn how to solve malfunctions, uh, I would say Mike Pannone on his Instagram channel has some pretty good, you know, videos and snippets. Um, his, was it M4 carbine or AR-15, <coughs> little spiral bound um, kind of user guide yep. is a great place to look. Um, you can find that, I think, on Amazon. Um, you know, there's other, other resources online. Uh, I would make sure that, you know, where you're getting your information from is a credible professional end user yep um and take some time you know to verify that um looking at arfcom um where people are talking about jams is probably not <laughs> the place i want to get that yeah. information yeah when you start when you start diagnosing malfunctions with a firearm as jams um let's let's be really blunt about this jam goes on toast um a, a jam is something that goes on toast a malfunction you know is a failure to feed failure to extract uh, failure to eject, you know, we've got different things, we terminology that if we talk to people who uh, we can get each other on the same page, I won't say it's about, oh, you're dumb and you don't know what that is. It's, it's being able to have a conversation that actually gives people meaningful information. My gun jammed means you spilled smuckers on it um, versus, you know, I had a failure to feed, failure to extract, um, you know, different, something like that. I, then I can talk to you about how we fix that or how you go about fixing that. So, um, sorry, pet peeve, ran over. Yeah. I do like jam though. I, I do too. Just I like, not in my guns. I, I kind of like reserves. I do. I like I like jam too. So, uh, that being said, you know, keep your keep your weapon properly maintained. Uh, maintain your magazines. Magazines 
if they're they get filled with sand or grit or anything that binds up the follower tend to create a lot of malfunctions um, which is why it's a good idea to the extent that you're able to when you're practicing this train when you when you have to remove the magazine from the gun train to go to a fresh magazine that hopefully is clean or would be clean in the real world um if you're picking up that that same magazine off the deck and putting it back in the gun um you may have just caused the same problem to happen again um because you know when when magazine followers get bound up all kinds of mayhem ensues and these are also you know back to some of the good reasons why you might carry a spare mag with a handgun um in your concealed carry life or as a law enforcement officer, you know, if you're a patrol rifle certified officer, you know, you might have the gun in a mag and maybe you've got a spare mag or two somewhere else. Um, it's not just because you're going to be in the be all end all of firefights for which they will write songs about you in Valhalla and books about you here on earth. Um, it may just simply be because you got schmutz in your magazine and you need a clean one to make the gun work right. So it's not sexy, but it matters. Yeah. And, you know, trying to, trying to know how your gun works. Uh, understand how your gun works um, and then learn how to fix malfunctions to keep it running um, because firearms are they're machines uh, they're designed by man they're not infallible uh, at some point they will melt they will malfunction um, it's important to be able to keep that gun in the fight um, because that may be the only gun that you've got yes um, on that we will end if you've got questions stop in and see us uh, questions about you know things on your gun or whatnot um, you are always welcome to bring your firearm with you to the store if it's not your concealed carry gun um, we appreciate when it comes in cased and unloaded yeah uh, yeah we'll see you soon thanks for joining